I mean, the next powerful thing that you possess besides your mind, you know, the most, the most powerful tool you have to access your health is your breath. I am Cheryl Witten, and this is The Aromatherapist, where we discover the superpower of plants. Have you ever been curious about aromatherapy and did a simple internet search, landed on a result and thought, that can't be right? The sad truth is most of the information out there about aromatherapy is not correct. It's my mission to change that. Join me in my new course, The Science of Aromatherapy, and learn about the science and chemistry of essential oils, drug interactions, safety considerations, contraindications, and botanical profiles of the 10 most popular essential oils. Visit livelovelemon.com forward slash science course to enroll. My guest this week is the incomparable Dr. Janine Nelson. And Dr. Janine holds a PsyD in clinical psychology and is registered with the College of Alberta Psychologists, as well as a member of the Psychologists Association of Alberta. Dr. Janine has conducted extensive research and now holds expertise in the areas of grief, loss, and resiliency, interpersonal neurobiology, psychoneuroimmunology, and the neuroscience of the mind-brain-body system. She's had over 26 years experience working in the counseling and mental health field, 15 years as a registered psychologist. In private practice since 2008, Dr. Janine treats individual adults, youth, teens, couples, families, and offers play therapy for children 8 to 12 for a variety of mental health and wellness concerns. Dr. Janine has been involved as university faculty teaching and supporting graduate level psychology students in Alberta and Saskatchewan. She is also pleased to serve her community and service Alberta as a marriage commissioner for the Provost Alberta area. I had a really great conversation with Dr. Janine today and we really got into some really cool information about just the effect of our mind on our brain body and she just talks to us about why our body is actually our brain body. We really get into some really cool information about how we can just incorporate some really simple practices that can reduce stress and actually start to bring the mind and the brain, and by extension, the rest of the body into good internal and external health. So I know you're going to love this episode. I'm so grateful I had the chance to speak to her. Without further ado, Dr. Janine Nelson. Thank you, Janine, for joining us on our show today. It's so lovely to have you. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here. Okay, so before we dive in, can you just tell us a little bit about yourself? Where are you from and where'd you grow up? Um, yeah, I grew up not far from here, just sort of on the border of East Central Alberta and Saskatchewan. And I, I grew up on a farm. My parents were grain farmers. And it was a really wonderful sort of pastoral life in terms of, you know, my mom gardened and she baked and she sewed. Um, at one point um, when I became a teenager, she did work out, outside of the home. And I now realize that was for financial reasons because grain farming in Saskatchewan, even to this day, is not very lucrative. Mm-hmm. And, um, and my parents had six children. And I'm the, I share the middle space with my next oldest sister, um, who also happens to now be one of my best friends in life. And I'm the quintessential um, middle child. And I also really uh, cherish, now cherish, that lifestyle that I grew up in. 
because um, you know I really learned a lot about work ethic, probably too much at times. And you know, I can be that overachiever, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, just stop kind of thing, uh-huh. um, and can lead to issues, which we're going to get into talking about um, even for myself. But you know, it's a really good work ethic, and and just a really um, you know my my dad especially was just such a humble person, and such a caring and giving person, and my mom too. And you know, now I have the insight to be able to see how much of that I I learned from them. Mm-hmm. So I do really cherish that, that history in my life. Yeah, that's actually incredible. I, I have a very similar background. Same. Grew up on a farm. I'm the middle child. There's six of us in the family. <laughs> wow. Yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> that's really neat. Cool. Same thing though. Like I, what is it about the farm life where you learn, you just work till your, your bones bleed almost, you know? Yeah. yeah. So how or maybe why did you become interested in psychology and counseling? Um, well, that's sort of like a, you know, the, the, what I just talked about was sort of like a preamble to get to that. Um, so at the time in my life, when I was 17 and, you know, graduating and getting ready to move on into the world, I didn't necessarily cherish mm-hmm. that farm life and, that, mm-hmm. you know, let's work till we bleed. Or yeah. bleed kind of thing. Um, so I wanted out and um, I knew I wanted to go to university. And I, of course, my, my next oldest sister was attending university at, in Saskatoon, U of S. And so I knew I wanted to go there. So of course I applied and I, I wanted to study law initially. That was my intent. And you have to have two years of, of pre-law to um, mm-hmm. law school. So I thought, okay, well, I'll take two years of, you know, humanities, arts and science and study psychology. That seems interesting enough. And, you know, quintessential metal child, I'm interested in all kinds of the psychology kinds of things. So that was, that was um, what I decided on. And interestingly enough, the time between um, my high school graduation and before I moved um, to Saskatoon, I was sexually assaulted. Oh, wow. And I have to thank you, Cheryl, um, because it's the first time, one of the first times that I have said that out loud oh, to, wow. to the public. This is a very public forum. Mm-hmm. Um, normally, I would tell people that I had been through a traumatic life experience and, mm-hmm. and thus needed counseling. And so anyway, I was sexually assaulted and uh, full of all of that stuff that society puts on victims often of, you know, why did I do that? Why did I say that? Why did I allow mm-hmm. that? And if I wouldn't have done that, that wouldn't have happened. And so I was sort of really caught up in all of that in my head and also starting a new relationship with an individual who is now my husband. Oh. Um, so I, I really wanted to kind of sort that out um, for mm-hmm. myself. And of course, there was free um, you know, student services counseling at campus. Um, thank God it was free because I had no money. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <And> so, <laughs> um, I went to that and wow, like just even within the first session, it was so uh, profound and life-changing for me. And I, you know, I've, I've heard a lot of the the clinicians and the health professionals um, that you talk to on this podcast, you know, say similar things where, you know, our own stuff sort of led us to where we are. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, again, so even though that was, you know, not something, um, you know, that I, would want to ever repeat or have it for any mm-hmm. happen to anyone else in their lives. Um, I now sh- kind of cherish the experience because it led me to then take psychology. I thought, wow, this is this therapy thing is great. Everyone should feel like this, even at, especially after something so horrific, right? Um, so that was my decision to then pursue psychology, and now here I am, doctorate in psychology. So wow, and thank you for sharing mm-hmm. that. 
I really do appreciate that message as well as like that when you experience something that has really helped you that then you can use that to empower someone else. And that's really what, what can really help them. And if it comes from a place where you can really relate, I think that's even so much more empowering. So thank you for sharing that. There's so many women that is their experience to be sexually assaulted. And so Oh, yeah. that's a lot. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I'm glad you said that too about, um, you know, in terms of, of um, you know, healing, whatever context um, that it, that occurs in, um, that I, I really, I cherish it also because it does help me to just be a human being with people mm-hmm. and know that I am not immune to any kind of emotional, psychological, spiritual mental health damage myself. Um, and so it, it really helps to be more relatable and, and not necessarily understand the other person's position mm-hmm. because everyone has their own perspective. Right. Um, but just know that, you know, it, it's more of a partnership for me than a, I'm here to tell you how you should think and what you should do and give you advice and, you know, all that kind of stuff that is maybe misperceptions about psychotherapy at times. Um, yeah. yeah. So it just really helps me to just join with the person in whatever, wherever they're at. Yeah. Which is, which is valuable. So I know that you research psychoneuroimmunology and different things. You have uh, a number of papers out, but, and this was specifically around rural health. So I'm fascinated with, with this topic. And for the, person, for the person who isn't familiar, can you ex- tell us in simple terms what psychoneuroimmunology is? Yeah, for sure. And Cheryl, psychoneuroimmunology is a really new term, relatively speaking, to sort of the the history of the world mm-hmm. and health. It, actually, it's, it's the 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 term was coined in about 1975. Um, okay. And the research started, um, you know, sort of in the late 70s, early 80s, and only in the last 10 years has really exploded. Um, so psychoneuroimmunology is quite a new term um, for the purposes of it rolling off the tongue. It can be abbreviated to PNI, so that maybe is easier for people okay, to yeah. kind of say and get get familiar with, right? Yeah. Um, so PNI, psychoneuroimmunology, is basically um, if we just want to distill it down into something that's relatable for all of us, it's the study and the application of the mind-body connection. And so, um, and, and and to keep in mind that that mind-body connection is bi-directional. I think a lot of times people still believe that, you know, your brain does all the thinking and it runs the body. Mm-hmm. Not true. The body also runs what's going on. It actually, the, the brain is just part of your body. It runs what's going on in your mind, right? And so the mind is sort of, you know, an, an integrative part of what happens with the brain body. So it's, it's the study and application of that bi-directional relationship between the mind and body and um, really seeks to understand the, you know, the, that complex bi-directional or to and from communication between the nervous system, the, the mind or the psyche, and the immune system. And there's a lot of health implications, obviously, just by the words that I use um, that, that go along with that. And so the research really um, attempts to, to understand that. And the reason the last 10 years have been so important is because now we have the, the technology to be able to research and study these mechanisms. In the past, we just didn't have the technology. Right. Um, that we can go back, um, you know, into ancient history and know that, you know, there's, there's all kinds of mind-body medicine and, and healers. And, and it, it's, it's been around anecdotally forever, as long as human beings mm-hmm. have been around. Um, but Modern medicine, as much as we love it and need it in certain aspects, really kind of did the mind-body connection or PNI or psychoneuroimmunology 
um, a disservice um, when it came on, you know, came on board and, and really started talking about dualism and, you know, Descartes and all of that sort of the, the mind and body are separate, mm-hmm. the spirit and the mechanisms are separate. Um, so it's only been able to sort of come into fruition in the last 10 years, because now we have the research to know more about it. We have this technology to know more about it. And it's really created a paradigm shift, even within, you know, the conventional medical system, certainly within from a psychology approach and, and, and health sciences approach. Um, it's really created that paradigm shift that we now need to understand a little bit more about how the mind body really is integrated and does need to be more sort of taken into account when we're dealing with whatever health issue it is. So that's, that's my explanation of psychoneuroimmunology for you. Perfect. And I love that you talked about that shift because that is one thing that I'm very excited about Yes, is that greater understanding of the body as a whole that you know, well, how everything is connected and, and, and interconnected and that we can't separate it all out because that, that affects everything. So there is an idea around this and that I have encountered myself or have maybe thought myself um, that it's this concept of how our thoughts affect our bodies. And I tried my hand, you know, once I'd explained this to someone who actually was a healthcare professional and she said, oh yeah, you know, the placebo effect. And so is that kind of what this is, or is it something greater than that? I'm glad you brought up placebo effect because, in my opinion, it's actually a misnomer. Placebo effect is the mind body effect. Mm-hmm. And I wish we could sort of rename it to that. Yes. Yes. Um, yeah. So, for, for those who are maybe um, not as familiar with placebo effect, um, you know, sort of from the scientific perspective, it's based on someone has a belief or an expectation in the validity or the benefit of an intervention, whatever that is, whether it's a drug or a treatment or a surgery or even a complementary um, alternative health practice, you will get the benefits. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, you know, I, I, I tell people often that your mind is the most powerful drug that you have and you have possession of it all the time. There, you don't even have to have big bucks to get the good drugs, right? Yeah. Um, so that's, that's what the, the definition of the placebo effect is from a scientific perspective. And so obviously what we were just talking about with, with PNI or psychoneuroimmunology, the, the mind-body connection is there. It's, it's, it's scientifically proven research. So I'm not sure that the placebo effect is actually a, a you know, a, like I said, I think it's a misnomer. I think it should be called the mind-body effect. Yeah. And there's also the opposite um, called nocebo effect, which again, from a scientific perspective, is about if you have a, a skepticism or you know, any kind of reservation about an intervention, even one that's you know, proven to be effective, the benefits can be blocked because your mind has this unwillingness or this skepticism or this dismissal kind of, of, of the intervention. And it can actually lead to more sickness and, and harm and potentially even death based on this expectation of negative outcome and the associated and especially emotional states that happen with it um, because there's such a connection between um, you know the limbic system and the immune system that that pni allows us to understand Um, so there's it it sort of goes both ways it's bi-directional again right you can have a, a really positive effect then depending on how much you believe in the intervention and, and understand its benefits and expect, expect the benefits. And you can also have it be ineffective or block some of the benefit, depending on your reservations with the intervention. I want to be careful here, though, Cheryl, and 
caution people about sort of the blaming the victim kind mm-hmm. of approach with placebo effect, right? Because then it's like, oh, if you would have just tried harder, or if you would just, you know, have better attitude about this, you wouldn't be sick, or you wouldn't have this disease, or you wouldn't be struggling. And a lot of times, sure, that's true. But at the same time, there are, you know, certain illnesses, diseases, sickness, um, you know, just life events that cause us to not feel so good, yes. right? Mm-hmm. That happen that we have to understand it's, it's important to keep that positive attitude and that healthy outcome and how our thoughts and emotions can make a difference in the quality of our life, depending on what's happening in terms of the status of our health, right? So sometimes people can get really caught up in the black and white of placebo or nocebo mm-hmm. effect, and, or, or the other alternative is, oh, it's all in your head, and which is partly true. Yes, our mind has <laughs> a lot to do with, with um, how, how are the status of our health and our wellness. But I, I also don't want it to be, you know, um, black and white um, and, you know, say that because placebo effect or mind-body effect exists, that we create all of our own illness. Not necessarily true. Um, it's more about the quality of life that we can create for ourselves based on, um, you know, our thoughts and our emotions and our attitudes. Yeah. And I actually just had a conversation about this very recently. That was a discussion of needing to be grateful during the experience and which as the sick person, that's very difficult to swallow when someone tells you, tells you that. And so while, you know, finding gratitude in can definitely, I think, change your, and maybe we can get into that, um, but can change your outlook and how, and maybe even your quality of your experience that being very careful not to put that on sick people, but you knew you need to be grateful for your experience. Like, Right. Well, it's not really, you know, I'm not really thankful I'm sick, you know? <laughs> right, right. And who should or would be? Yeah, I, I think that's where, you know, um, you know, PNI and the science behind it to be able to explain that to people and help them understand, oh, oh, that's how gratitude can be helpful to me. Okay, now I get it. Or, oh, that's why, you know, breathing can be so helpful to me. Oh, okay, now I get it. I get why I should do it. I, I find in my practice, as soon as I give people a context and an understanding and, and give them sort of the power of that knowledge, mm-hmm. they're able to sort of embrace that idea of, oh, I, I, I can make a difference in the quality of my life just by my lifestyle. Yeah, I think, again, you know, PNI is such a, a, a new and wonderful, empowering area of science that needs to be shared with just all the rest of us. I agree. I agree. So how do our social relationships play into, into P&I? I love that you asked about this because it's, it's just such an important aspect. Um, there's, there's so much research I want to talk about behind it, um, but I know we only have you know, a certain amount of time. Um, oh, please, I, I just listen. <laughs> I just kind of want to go back a little bit um, to what I was saying when I was defining um, P&I. And um, talk about the the history behind back in, you know, sort of 1985. Let's go back there. Um, it's the last time that I was ever wrong about it. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, no, okay. So um, in 1985, a woman by the name of Candace Pert was a researcher, a, a neuroscientist, and um, she found some really convincing and powerful evidence that there's neuropeptide receptors on cellular, cellular walls, both in the brain and the immune system, and they basically talk to each other. I'm not going to get into the, you know, the technical mm-hmm. jargon of it. But so basically what that means is the limbic system in the brain or the pl- place where we have emotions and process all of those relationship kinds of things influences our immune system. 
and vice versa, right? Immune system can also um, influence how well we are able to, you know, have our emotions stable and, and engage in, in relationships. So, you know, our social relationships are, are, are so much part of our quality of life. And those, those lifestyle factors that contribute to either stress or stress management or, or can increase stress, relationships can do that too. And how unmanaged stress accounts for up to get ready for this statistic, 90% of today's chronic illnesses. Wow. Yeah. And so because of its connection with the immune system activation, um, you know, just have the relationships that we have, they're part of what we process and what we ingest in our bodies with our minds, right? And our minds impact what's happening with our immune system. So especially that, that emotional regulation system, there's this direct and bi-directional influence to a relationship on health. Another um, piece of research I want to talk about is um, Dr. Stephen Porges and his polyvagal theory, and I'm not sure if you're familiar with it, but it's also based on a lot of this, this PNI neuroscience. And it talks about the autonomic nervous system, where there's two branches. There's the sympathetic nervous system, which is the fight, flight, freeze, or now we know FAWN, F-A-W-N, where you sort of befriend a threat. Mm -hmm. Um, And then there's the parasympathetic nervous system, which is the rest, digest, relax, repair, and relate aspect Mm. of the nervous system. And so in order for us to be able to have, to feel the safety, to develop relationships and have the ability to relate to other and allow others to relate to us, we have to have regulation of the parasympathetic nervous system where we do the rest, digest, repair, relax, relate. It's, and it really um, is a lot related to our breathing or the, the vagus nerve. Is, and I, I won't get into okay. all of that. Um, but the vagus nerve is what regulates our breath from our body to our brain kind of thing. And so we have to have a regulated breath, which will allow for regulated heart rate variability which will allow for that parasympathetic nervous system to come into play where we rest, digest, repair, and relate. So we need to focus our attention on really looking at that relaxation piece, that breathing piece, that that sort of being able to show up to reap the benefits of relationships for the sake of our health. So it's like a, what's the word? Like plays off each other. So if we're stressed, our relationships falter or struggle because of that. But then we also, and it kind of goes back the other way, right? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, absolutely. Our sympathetic nervous system, which is, you know, the fight, flight, freeze, fawn. It's not that we don't need it. I mean, it's an important system to have. Its job is to keep us, you know, safe, to Mm -hmm. avoid harm or danger or death. Um, So when that part of our nervous system is activated, we're so focused on, you know, you know, surviving that we don't have time to build a relationship, right? Right. And so it's a very functional system in terms of, you know, the basics of it. Um, but we live in a society now where we don't have a lot of immediate danger <laughs> going on. Yeah. I mean, that mm-hmm. might be debatable with some of the world issues that are happening in the pandemic and things like that. But really, a lot of our danger, so to speak, or the harm that we're trying to avoid comes from our thoughts and the stress that's created there. Right. So um, stress management and what's happening in your limbic system, it's really important to have that be managed and, and, and not be so focused on threat and harm and danger, because that will not only interfere with your ability to have good relationships and good health that way, also will interfere with 
your immune system and your immune system being in overdrive because you'll, you'll keep getting the signal that you know, we're not okay and we have to fight and we have to get rid of all of the antibodies or tetragens or whatever mm-hmm. in the body. And, and that can really lead to um, you know, disease, chronic illness. Like I said, 90% of what we're experiencing today, and it's, it, it's actually a pandemic in terms of our health, chronic health, um, chronic illness um, pandemic as well, is based on the unmanaged stress because you know, how we're thinking affects so much about how our health, the status of our health and how we think about relationships and how we experience relationships both with ourselves and with those around us and globally also affect our health. Okay. So you mentioned the breathing. So is that a really good place to start in learning how to like, just get it together as it were? (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Um, Once people understand how important breathing is to um, self-regulation, not not, not just self-regulation, but also your health, and being able to even be engaged in relationships and, and, and move beyond just being in a state of kind of like avoid harm. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I find, you know, even sort of the, the sort of hardest of people um, embrace it mm-hmm. because they start to realize, oh, oh I, I thought this was just for, you know, yogis who were meditating and, you know, it seemed like a hippie thing to do and didn't seem important to me and I don't have time for it anyway. You know, I teach people, you don't have to sit down in lotus position with, you know, your arms placed mm-hmm. in some particular way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you can do this while you're driving. You can do this even while someone's talking to you, if, you know, and, and, and even if they're telling you something that that's, you know, maybe upsetting or, or that you don't agree with, um, you can start by regulating your own neurosystem to be able to process that stress that's being created differently. And yeah, I teach people, you know, a really basic strategy. I call it 7-Eleven breathing. I didn't invent it. I don't know where I got it from, but I know I didn't invent it. And it's basically just breathing into the count of seven okay, and breathing out to the count of 11. You, you don't do it out loud. I mean, mm-hmm. you could if you wanted to, I guess. It might be hard to do you both. Don't need to. <laughs> yeah. um, and and um, what that does is um, anytime you can make your exhale longer than your inhale, you're engaging your parasympathetic nervous system, which is engaging that, you know, rest, digest, Mm -hmm. relax, repair, relate aspect of yourself. And then you're also going to be putting your, you know, your, your immune system in a state of sort of non-reactivity and um, do so much for both your physical and your mental and your spiritual health. I love that you're, you're discussing this because we almost take breathing for granted, you know, like our body just does it. And it's just, we obviously know it's something we need to do, but to actually understand what kind of an impact breath has on your body. And I think, you know, too, what, what's really important is to know that our, what you said, our, our breath, our breathing will happen, whether we think about it or not. That's the beauty of mm-hmm. how the human body is designed. Um, you know, it's designed to keep you alive, yeah. but also it is the one way that we have to be able to, um, you know, sort of take over from what's happening in our body. If we can slow our breath down, our heart rate will respond in kind. You, you can't have a fast heart rate and slow breathing. If you do, you've got a whole nother problem that you do need to go to emergency mm-hmm. immediately. <laughs> yeah, This mm-hmm. is where we need conventional medicine. Yes. Yeah. Um, but if you slow your heart rate, slow your breathing, you'll slow your heart rate. And all of that will start to put into action what I've been talking about with, you know, the, the parasympathetic nervous system and the limbic system mm-hmm. and, you know, being able to then 
rest, digest, repair, and become at your inner world and your outer world from a much more health proactive perspective. Um, so yeah, the, the breath is so powerful. I mean, the next powerful thing that you possess besides your mind, you know, the most powerful mm-hmm. drug you have is your mind. The most powerful tool you have to access your health is your breath. I love that. That's yeah. important. Yeah. We've talked a little bit about the immune system. Do we know anything yet about how this PNI plays into autoimmunity? Well, yeah, we, we've kind of touched on it a little bit. You know, how I've, I've talked about, um, you know, when the, the limbic system and the immune system, you know, talk to each other, mm-hmm. right? Um, with these neuropeptides and, and the receptors. Um, and some of the cells in our body have receptors for all of the neuropeptides. Um, so interestingly enough, there are cells throughout our body in our immune system that can be activated based on our thinking, right? So if I'm thinking, I wake up this morning and I, I didn't, but let's say I woke up this morning <laughs> and I was like, oh man, I have such a headache. My head hurts so much. I have such a migraine. Those thoughts, the immune system hears that, your cells hear that and send a message to your immune system saying, hey, we're sick. We're not okay. Mm-hmm. Let's, let's react to this. Let's you know, get well. Our job is to stay alive, right? Stay mm-hmm. out of harm. So your immune system responds. And let's say I go about my day and, you know, I, I get a flat tire and I'm like, oh, why? Why me? Why does this always happen? This is so annoying. I don't have time for this. I'm making my headache worse. Guess what's happening? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm making my headache worse just by my thoughts. And again, you know, I don't want it to be, you know, quite so, you know, black yes. and white, like, mm-hmm. um, but, but the impact is there. And when the immune system is in a continued state of, of sort of activation by just, you know, what we're thinking, or eat, sometimes it is legitimate. We are feeling like, you know, if I did mm-hmm. have a headache or chronic pain, that pain is there that it's not, we're not making that up, but it's how we respond to it again. You know, that, that whole unmanaged stress part of it, that can, that can make the difference for our immune system to be activated and become overactive and then certainly lead to autoimmune disease. Autoimmune diseases are, you know, part of the family of chronic illnesses that are a pandemic in our society today. Mm -hmm. So yeah, there's a direct connection there. So how do we sort of get out of that cycle then? Same, same answer. (laughs) Same answer, just, yeah. Um, Yeah. And I think, you know, you kind of touched on it before, you know, in the past, a lot of people, not a lot of people, but oftentimes, you know, um, especially, you know, when you're, you're suffering and, and, you know, a health professional says to you, you know, you really got to, this is stress related. This is all about your stress. And it feels really dismissive. Like, okay, you know, Mm -hmm. I I don't know what that means. I don't know what to do about that. But if we can take that to the next level and really start to, to, um, you know, learn for ourselves how our lifestyle choices, our lifestyle, you know, how we think, behave, um, feel, relate, um, can really play such an important part in managing the stress that our body is processing. It can, can do wonders for, for being able to um, overcome and, and certainly manage the illness. And it sometimes, you know, can even put some of those, those autoimmune diseases into remission, depending on how well we we engage in those stress management activities, whatever they may be for that individual. Would do you have any tools or suggestions for that of how to like to shift that messaging um, right away? Is it the breath? 
I think the, the breath is a really easy one because you don't have to, you know, sort of get up and find it or, or prepare for it or, you know, it's, it's, not, mm-hmm. it's just right there. It's with you. And I, I think, yeah, it's a really good place to start is just to tune into your breathing and try to slow it down. And also, you know, you kind of touched on, you know, not necessarily, um, you know, gratitude stuff at that moment, but even just doing a, you know, a visualization of, okay, I, I'm not feeling my best, but, you know, you, you know, visualize yourself going throughout your day and being successful in your day mm-hmm. and, you know, managing, you know, the level of pain that you're at, if, you know, say you're at a five, um, when you wake up you know, visualize the activities of your day and visualize yourself, you know, staying at a five. And and maybe even, you know, when you go to do a certain, maybe you're going to a treatment that day, or um, maybe you use some aromatherapy that day, or maybe even just, you know, I'm going to do even more breathing or meditation that day. And maybe picture yourself coming down to, say, a four or even a four and a half. And just almost like priming your mind to feel well. Mm-hmm. Um, is such an important piece of managing any any illness. And easier said than done, I know. But as far as self care goes, and 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 most treatments, they often do require effort on our part, right? Mm-hmm. Self care doesn't necessarily mean self indulgence, where you just sort of lay there and somebody, you know, does your nails and does your mm-hmm. hair and you know, yeah. <laughs> right? I mean that's self-care too. Yeah. Um, but when it comes to managing particularly chronic illness, whether it be physical or mental or spiritual, it often involves effort on our part. Yeah, and so, really and understanding that self-care, it's literally when you're talking about this PNI, it's literally that's caring for yourself. Like yes. in the way that you behave and speak to yourself and operate in your mind literally changes how your body behaves. So yes. it's so much yes. more. Yeah. So much more than that. Yeah. Um, can I add a little bit to it? There's yes. um, uh, some really great, actually um, Nobel prize winning research. I think it was in 2017. These researchers won the, the Nobel prize for their um, research on telomeres. And they're, they're two females, actually, Elizabeth Blackburn and Alyssa Apple are neuroscientists. And um, I think one's actually a neuropsychologist. Anyways, they did um, research on telomeres, which are the caps of our chromosomes. Mm -hmm. Um, And chromosomes, as you know, exist in our cells. And the thing about telomeres is, if you sort of think about them like shoelace caps, right? Mm -hmm. So they kind of protect our our chromosomes and, and help us to be youthful and have longevity. And of course, those, they naturally shorten with age. Every time the cell divides, the telomere shortens. Okay. And they discovered that sh- shorter telomeres lead to, you know, less longevity, more apt to have disease or, or not be in a state of health. And when I say disease, I even mean like dis-ease, like mm-hmm. to separate the word. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, and they found that unmanaged stress it can also contribute to shortening of telomeres to the point that um, the research that they did, they found that when people manage stress, their telomeres actually stopped um, shortening at such a rapid rate and sometimes even increased. Wow. And yeah, and this was all just based on lifestyle behaviors, lifestyle patterns. So that's not just the basics that everybody knows about with nutrition and movement and sleep. I mean, those those are still really good basics and important, mm-hmm. 
but they also discovered um, what, what they call neural relaxation, which is being able to relax your, your brain, body, mind through things like breathing and meditation and also relationships, both with yourself and with others are part of those you know, quality of life things that they found were able to really influence telomere life, which in turn influences the human life. So it's, it's really groundbreaking and, and phenomenal research about how you know, PNI can be so important um, in managing, not even just managing chronic illness or, or health issues, but even just if you're already, if you're well, you know, yeah, mm-hmm. keeping yourself well, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's a preventative thing too, not just a, a, a treatment or reactive thing. And very interesting, even going back to the social relationships we were talking about, just the, it gives a whole new meaning to like, you know, you are who the, what is it that saying that you are the sum of the five people you spend your time around or whatever, just how much yeah, impact yeah. that those relationships have. And your relationship with yourself too, yeah. um, you know, in my work, um, a lot of times that's where we begin is the relationship with the self. Um, even though people often come in and talk about the relationships outside of themselves, oftentimes it's just a reflection of, of yes. what's happening internally. Yeah. Because when you change how you relate to yourself, you change how you relate to everybody else too. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So what's the most important thing that we are really doing wrong? in relation to this mind-body connection or something you see the most often? We talked about unmanaged stress. Um, is there anything else? Um, yeah, I think as, as a society, kind of seeing you know, our mind and our brain and our body as separate entities. <laughs> they're, mm-hmm. they're really not. And I think, you know, like I said, there's a paradigm shift happening um, in you know, conventional medicine particularly, but it's slow <laughs> to mm-hmm. be had. Um, and where I think the shift is happening most profoundly, and this is actually what my research revealed as well that I, that I did here in rural Alberta, is in the area of allied health professionals and, and then, of course, the people who are using those services. So allied health professionals, according to you know, my research, the definition of are you know, anybody from myself as a psychotherapist, yourself as an aromatherapist, physiotherapy, chiropractor, mm-hmm you know, even, you know, a yoga teacher, a meditation teacher. So anyone who sort of basically has not gone to medical school, Mm -hmm. um, but is still a a healthcare provider of some way. Um, In my research, that was the definition of an allied health professional. And, And what I found was that people wanted to be sort of integrating complementary and alternative health practices along with conventional medicine, one shouldn't cancel out the other, mm-hmm. um, but they didn't know how, and they didn't know why. And they almost, there was almost a stigma. Like a lot of them felt like I shouldn't talk about this with my doctor and, and maybe not even, you know, my psychologist, or I'm not going to talk to my massage therapist about that. I use aromatherapy too, right? Like, mm-hmm. um, there was a real stigma around that. And, and so, and so people, they want to do it. They want to have it but they're not sure how to go about it. And so I think for it's sort of where we can start on two levels, one, you know, the general public is just to start being your own advocate and, you know, talk about all of the, the, the things that you do for your health, for your stress management, for to care for yourself, and that you feel are important aspects of health and healing for you. And talk about them with all of the practitioners that you work with, even your physician. 
And from a, you know, a clinician aspect or an allied health professional aspect is to, um, you know, start to talk to our, our patients or our clients or whomever we work with, whatever terminology we use for them about, you know, the, the science of PNI and integrating, you know, those, those important health practices and being open to being integrative. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm certainly not going to go get training on something like aromatherapy. Um, I've had enough school, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, but for me to know, you know, I know uh, someone who's certified in aromatherapy and I can refer you to that person and even be open to, you know, if, if it's important for you as my client to, to talking with that person and, and getting some information and working in tandem for you or with you or, or you be the, you know, the, the team leader, so to speak, and sort of bring us all integratively together. I think that would be such an important piece to help the paradigm shift move is if, um, you know, if us as health professionals can, can sort of get behind more of an integrative working model. And I, again, I'm not dismissing physicians or the, the conventional health approach by any means. Um, in fact, they're part of what needs to be brought into that integrative process. But based on my research, it wasn't that physicians necessarily were resistant to it or you know dismissive of it, but people people felt that way, but they also didn't bring it up with them. Mm-hmm. They didn't necessarily talk to them about it, right? So it's more about the stigma than than you know is is this actually happening? So I think the the biggest thing we can we can start doing differently is take a more integrative stance to our own health, and then also, you know, the health of all of those around us. As much as we love Descartes, um, just get rid of the, that whole dualism idea. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Separate stuff. Yeah. And yeah, I like that you're, you're discussing advo- advocating for yourself because in some places there's really that uh, disconnect between the connection of what's happening to an individual, um, just very basically in the body and the symptoms they're having that, how that is all interconnected. And so, and over myself, that's been my experience is just trying to get a more holistic view, even just medically speaking of what's happening. It's been a challenge. And so I, it is so important that we shift that and move out of that dualism because it's all interconnected that, you know, and also I like to encourage people as well, when you're talking about discussing that, what types of things you're using and all of the professionals you're seeing that especially when you're doing things like aromatherapy that for someone who's prescribing you medication they really need to know that information there's potential for adverse effect and so just really again that's the same thing is just to really encourage that discussion even if it maybe doesn't go over well but it is information that needs to be known and the more that we talk about it the more research that's happening the more understanding we have and that the more we can integrate that, which is very important too. So, and I'm very excited that you're, you've also just engaged in the research because the more that we know, the more than we can affect change. So I love that. (laughs) So do you have any um, suggestions of something that we can start doing today? Some change we can affect just in ourselves today than our own personal experience? Yeah, we, we kind of already touched on a little bit of it. Um, you know, certainly with breathing and, and doing the 7-11 breathing in inhale for 7, exhale for 11. And to do that for, you know, five, maybe even 10 rounds of breathing. And like I said, you can, a great time to do that is is when you're driving in your vehicle. Really, there's not much else to do. And, and we're really good at, you know, just 
being unconscious drivers, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> it all just comes naturally for most of us. So just to take a few minutes in your day, you can be sitting at your desk or you can be washing dishes or you can be changing the baby. You know, you can just do some of that, you know, just slow down your breathing. So that's a really important one. And another, another one that I wanted to suggest, just because, you know, I've, I've talked about meditation a little bit and, and I kind of want to elaborate on, you know, how, you know, that, that the mind brain body relationships triad is so important and and so related to meditation it really meditation just allows us to have a more of a healthy integration of each aspect of you know the mind the brain body and relationships and um, just get us into more of a, a healthy state physically, mentally, spiritually. And so uh, there's there's a practice by um, a gentleman by the name of Dr. Dan Siegel, who is creating an emerging field of psychology called interpersonal neurobiology. Very fascinating, includes a lot of the research of PNI in his, in his approach. But what Dan Siegel um, has created is uh, a practice called the Wheel of Awareness Practice. And anyone who has access to Google and YouTube can find this practice on that very um, that very place. Dan Siegel also has a website where you could access the Wheel of Awareness practice. And you know, it's it's just a, a probably 15, 20 minute, well, I guess you could make it as long as long as you want, exercise in 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 really focusing on the integration between mind, brain, body, and relationships. And and he walks you through and in, in incorporating the breathing in with that and just walks you through a really beautiful process of integration of those aspects of self and others that can be really powerful for just experiencing a better quality of your day, let alone better quality of your life in the long term. Mm-hmm. The basis of meditation is to have very conscious, purposeful breathing and, and be in a fairly relaxed but yet aware state. There is some forms of meditation where you know you, you can use them to, to sleep or relax, which is good too, right? That's part of really good integration. Mm-hmm. Um, but generally, um, meditation isn't necessarily meant to sort of put you in a state of mind where you're you're sort of unaware and really groggy and tired. It's actually a really focused state of attention, but also being really relaxed at the same time. And that is the be all and end all of what I was talking about before with being able to have your limbic system, your emotional brain system regulated, as well as your, your breathing and, and your immune system and, and that whole polyvagal kind of, of, of approach. Meditation just, it's the tool to tap into that, basically. Mm-hmm. There's, there's the science behind it. And then it's like, great, how do I do that? Well, you meditate. Similar to, you know, if you have a broken leg and the x-ray shows that you need a cast, you put the cast on it. So you could, you could kind of think about it that way. You know, meditation is like the treatment that you use to get to the healing method that we know that, you know, if you put a cast on a bone, the body will heal itself, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Same thing. If you sit and meditate, your body will respond and be in a state of internal and external health to its full capacity. And the best part is that it's free. It's free and it's always accessible and you can do it no matter where you are. Yes, I love that so much. Meditation has, honestly, it has changed me for sure. It's one of my key things I can't, I have to do it. I just cannot, otherwise I'm just so reactive and everything is, yes, meditation. Guys, you need to meditate. (laughs) changed my life as well. I, I started meditating probably about 
eight, nine years ago now, um, before I even really got into a lot of this really important research. And, and because, you know, I, I just really felt like I needed something to kind of just settle myself, ground myself, particularly in the work that I do. And I agree with you. I share, share what you said about it changed my life and it changed the way, you know, I, I see myself and others and approach my work and approach my tasks and my chores and my errands and yeah. <laughs> my mishaps and my mistakes and my stressors. And yeah, it's, it's, it's really been a powerful tool in my life as well. Yeah. When you can start the day or approach the world in a more centered, relaxed, calm, but like you said, but still focused way. I mean, how you just interact with everything is completely different. And we're used to being hyper-focused, but really agitated people in general. I think our culture or society is kind of like that. And we're so busy and all the things. And so that's, that's the source of our stress. Now we aren't cave people running from saber toothed tigers anymore. Now we're just running around, running around. That's the source of our stress. (laughs) Well, thank you so much for stopping today, part of your day to talk to me. I so am fascinated by your work and your research and just want to thank you so much for what you're doing. This kind of information can impact and change a lot of people's lives. And so thank you so much for that. And can you tell us where we can find out more about you? Yes. First of all, can I say thank you to you for allowing me to come to this platform? Um, I've been excited for months and it's been such a pleasure. And I, I love to talk about this research. Um, sometimes it isn't always so well received, right? I, when I'm in, when I'm getting to be, you know, psychotherapist, I have a, a willing audience, sort of. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and um, you know, you're you're a willing audience, and the people who are listening. Um, but lots of times, you know, in just in general life, people don't want to necessarily stop and and hear and and listen to it. And I don't necessarily always want to talk about it either. So I really appreciate you offering this platform and um, all the work that you do. And as, a, as an allied health professional, the, the work that you do is so important um, in terms of treatment and then the work that you do with your podcast in terms of um, information sharing, even for myself, has, has been just really profound. So thank you for, for having me, Cheryl. I appreciate it. Yes, we're, I'm so happy that we were able to connect. Yeah. Um, so then your other question about um, how to find me is um, I have a website and it's phoenixcounseling.ca and my practice is in small town Wainwright, Alberta, and I can also be found there. And uh, my Facebook page is um, Phoenix Integrated Health Psychology is another way to sort of connect with me and, and uh, find out more about um, PNI and, and just yourself in general. Perfect. And we'll link that all up in the show notes so our listeners can just go and click on over to find you. So thank you so much for being here and sharing your wealth of knowledge with us. It was so wonderful to chat with you. Thank you. All right, beautiful people. Thank you so much for listening today. If you feel so inclined, please subscribe, rate, and review this show. For show notes and more information on essential oils, please visit livelovelemon.com forward slash podcast and we love to know what you're up to and how you're using your essential oils so head over to instagram and find us at the aromatherapist podcast my name is cheryl witten and i am your aromatherapist we have to share with you this obligatory disclaimer 
Information in this podcast is for educational purposes only. It is not a replacement for medical advice or for professional aromatherapy consultation. If you need medical care, please visit your physician. Speak to your primary care provider, pharmacist, and a qualified aromatherapist before commencing any programs.